This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Air Force has a new chief technology officer. Jay Bonsi took his first government leadership position in August following a career as a technology executive at Akamai. He takes over for Frank Konetsky, the former longtime CTO who retired earlier this year. And Mr. Bonsi joins us now to talk a little bit about the technology challenges he sees for the Air Force and what he hopes to achieve in the position. Jay, thanks for taking the time and congratulations on the new position. Let, let's talk a bit about what the job actually is, because you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Air Force CTO position is really codified or constrained by statute in any way. So, so you and the Air Force and the Air Force CIO have a fair amount of latitude to decide what the job is. So what's the answer to that question as far as, as you see it so far? What, what is the position of Air Force CTO and, and how do you want to tackle it? Uh, first off, thank you. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, the, I truly believe the Air Force is kind of at the right place at the right time, um, both from a structural perspective, but also a cultural perspective to help um, drive the department forward. I'm working on some incredible things that are um, going to change the way that we respond uh, to problems in the world. Um, and it's a, an incredible honor to be selected for it. Um, that said, you're correct. Um, the CTO position here um, inside of the CIO office or SAFCN, um, as it's kind of known, uh, is uh, fairly open-ended. Um, what we've chosen to focus on, um, however, is to create uh, a kind of a cohesive technical roadmap uh, for enterprise IT across the Air Force. And the goal is to have that roadmap allow us uh, so that all the different technical implementations that are happening across the department uh, for enterprise IT will kind of know their left and their right. Um, this is going to help us deconflict things further on down the road. It's going to help us contextualize pilots. It's going to help us um, really, uh, in, in kind of the words of the chief of staff, really ruthlessly prioritize uh, what we're going after. Um, you know, the the demand for IT is infinite, um, and so we really need to uh, focus and drill down on those areas that are going to be of highest impact. Um, and so, you know, this roadmap product is going to be we hope, a key kind of guiding light uh, to be able to help us um, figure out where our funding priorities should be and where the kind of technical order of operations is going forward. Um, so we're really excited to put that together. Um, it's not something that there appears to be a, a true um, analog elsewhere. And so I think we're really kind of leading the way in the way that we are um, thinking about driving cohesion um, within those services. And you wrote on LinkedIn, I think the day you started this this new position, that you thought before you joined the Air Force that the road that they're on was directionally correct. Do you want to expand a little bit on, on what you meant by that? Sure. Uh, there are a lot of um, things uh, inside the Air Force that have um, the, the right foundation. There are places where we need to um, shore that up, uh, but it, uh, there are efforts underway uh, that demonstrate that the Air Force recognizes the problems of modern IT. Um, so Steve Hazelhorst um, and Air Combat Command A6 is um, incredibly focused on zero trust, right? And we understand that as an organizing principle, um, zero trust is a lot of uh, other things associated with it. People are, are incredibly focused on uh, the ICAM pieces, uh, the innovations, uh, both on the technical and on the contractual side, um, alongside of Platform One, are incredibly important. We're seeing its impacts um, really felt absolutely everywhere. Um, Air Force was first uh, really to adopt uh, Office 365, uh, uh, the as-a-service uh, Microsoft uh, collaboration suite, uh, Cloud One. Um, so there are a number of um, places where the Air Force is recognized where the industry is going and has 
kind of led the way uh, ITAS as well, at both as a, a contractual vehicle, but also as a service delivery model uh, for enterprise IT as a future. The Air Force started that. A lot of other services are, are continuing their experiments in it. And so the Air Force is... Um, in a lot of ways, uh, like to think a thought leader. There are many, many places where we can improve, um, but it is, you know, I'm I'm proud to be, you know, uh, kind of serving in this capacity and, and proud to kind of add momentum to the kind of pre-existing direction. Lots of uh, Air Force organizations that have a, a hand in enterprise IT, and, and the flip side of where we started, there there not being any sort of statute to tell you what the job is. Flip side of that is there's no statute that that gives you authority to tell people to go do things. So it seems like one of this this is one of these jobs where you're, you're going to be heavily reliant on building relationships and cooperation across the organization. What do those most important relationships look like to you as you as you start this job, and and how do you plan to kind of work through others? Uh, we've already uh, started down uh, the uh, getting to know people route. You know, in kind of my first hundred days here, um, the five families are uh, key. A set of organizations uh, to get to know. Um, I'm uh, up in the Boston area, so I'm local to Hanscom um, in the H&I efforts, and so have already uh, gotten a chance to meet um, uh, ACCA6, uh, the Triple C, um, and hopefully going to make it down to San Antonio at some point next month. But uh, to understand each of their perspectives and um, each of the places where they are contributing uh, to the enterprise future um, is important. Uh, some of it uh, from the outside was uh, admittedly a little bit opaque, but I have a, um, an excellent appreciation for the great work and the dedication that those individuals bring. That said, um, I also, it's important for me to think of myself kind of as a customer executive for enterprise IT. One of the key things the enterprise needs to export is credibility. You know, we want to take enterprise IT and have the continuum go from business systems all the way up through the high-end weapon systems. We want to be able to reduce the variance across the enterprise, um, enable people uh, to get more for uh, the uh, highly constrained uh, funding environment that we're in. And so that means uh, having to understand uh, the needs of PEO BEZ, which has a very wide uh, portfolio and has a lot of um, smaller mission systems all the way up through, um, uh, like I said, the weapon systems, the ABMSs of the world um, and GBSD, other large major programs, and to be able to make sure that we're meeting uh, both of those needs. And so, um, again, kind of my first 100 days, uh, meeting those executives, meeting those key kind of lighthouse customers um, that we need to make sure that we are um, answering the mail for and really performing for is key. Like we understand as well that whenever somebody adopts an enterprise service, there is a natural trade-off between cost and perceived performance rather than, you know, rather than fielding a service that you control yourself and, um, and have direct influence on. And so we have to create the right service structures, um, be transparent about our roadmap um, to the previous point, uh, but also uh, make it so that we are uh, accountable to those incredibly important customers who are trying to get their mission done. That concept of sort of erasing the line between enterprise IT and warfighting IT is 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 a big one, and I'm not sure anyone in in DoD has really even conceptualized how you do that well. What what's some of your early thinking about how how that actually works in the real world? Because they have, I think, historically really been thought of as separate domains or disciplines. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I'll say is um, our adversaries don't think don't think of uh, the designation any differently, right? And so. You know, we have to make sure that there are a number of systems, you know, we can't, um, we can't fly planes without logistic systems, we can't repair planes without business systems, right? There are things that support the total force. And while not every, uh, while not every application is the tip of the spear, 
uh, for certain activities. We do need to understand that the network is a service that is provided to everybody that systems run on top of. Identity is a solution that everybody needs to have. As solutions get more complicated, have more requirements, have more things that they need to do, there is going to be a tendency to centralize or to have the enterprise bolster it. So there's a few strategies um, that we're thinking about for how uh, we get after that flattening. The first of which is to create service structures that those services consume. So things that are developer-friendly, API-driven, things that allow for SRE-like monitoring uh, capabilities, so trending, alerting, errors, latency, to have services that the consumers can independently monitor, can independently understand what's going on. Uh, that's going to be key. So as we get more sophisticated consumers, we'll have to meet those demands. The other thing is to is to be able to place uh, designations around enterprise services so that we understand whether or not certain enterprise services are acceptable as a sole provider, whether or not um, certain services are acceptable as as a series of federated providers where we manage the interoperability instead of like a a loan service. And right now what we're trying to do is put thinking around um, the types of circumstances. Each of those uh, delivery strategies is important. And, And over time, the goal is to simply reduce the variance in the enterprise. And we understand that Reducing the variance takes enablement structures. It takes teams that are going to help uh, people adopt those enterprise services. It's going to take the right financial backing and the right business uh, backend systems um, so that those systems can acquire those services and they're aligned with the financial goals of the Air Force. So there's a lot of things to think about. Um, we are trying to pull apart what makes an enterprise service an enterprise service today. The hope is that within a few months, we'll start to be able to publish some guidance around uh, what that looks like. Very interesting. Um, just to start to wrap us up here, Jay, there's going to be a huge learning curve, obviously, to this job, but you're not coming into it completely blind. I know you did a lot of support for the Air Force in your previous job at Akamai. You want to talk just a little bit about what you came into this job with in terms of experience with the Air Force and Enterprise IT writ large and uh, why you took the job? Yeah. Um, so I uh, I spent uh, my previous uh, 14 years at Akamai um, in a variety of roles, um, really the last uh, 10 or so directly uh, supporting the Air Force. Akamai is a, is, a, is a great place and there are a lot of lessons to learn um, from a company that that does, you know, a huge percentage of traffic on the internet. And, and that first of which is, is Akamai is, is first and foremost a scaling company and to understand that they really think about um, scaling both in terms of organizations and in terms of technology um, in a in a very unique way. And I'm, I'm happy to bring those lessons forward. Um, that said, you know, I, I took this job uh, because I thought it was uh, again, I think it's the, the right place at the right time to be able to help uh, push uh, the country forward. Um, I think it's an incredibly interesting um, mission set. I'm really inspired by Miss um, Kay's leadership uh, and um, what I think we're going to be able to accomplish in the next few years. Jay Bonsi is the Air Force's new chief technology officer. We'll post a link to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, 
the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization. 
where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers as others call them every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship, step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. 
Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.